1: everybody, welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. This is Texter Tuesday, where we take all of our topics from our Football Insider subscribers. Uh, a little later, you'll get to hear about how you can subscribe to that. But uh, let's get right to it. I'm joined today uh, by the full team, Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you?
0: Doing great. Just uh, processing everything that happened over the weekend, and uh, I think it was a really great weekend all the way around.
1: Scott Patsco joining us as well. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Doing good. And Ellis Williams joining us, too. Ellis, how are you?
2: Life is good, man. It's actually 72 degrees here in Minnesota, so I was riding outside today. Can't complain about that. (laughs) Very nice. Very nice. We've got nice weather here in Ohio, too. So uh, uh, let's fly through some of these because we
1: actually got a lot of responses, and and I want to hit as many as we can. And one of the very first ones we got came from the 216 area code, and it's perfectly timed. Uh, With with David Njoku and Miles Garrett's options getting picked up today, no real surprise there. Uh, But this person is asking about extensions uh, for those two players. And I think, at least in my mind, these are kind of two very different answers. So uh, Mary Kay, when we start talking extensions, where might the Browns be with both Garrett and Njoku?
0: Well, I think what will happen, uh, now that they have picked up, they have exercised their fifth-year options, which means they're guaranteed to have them uh, through 2021. Uh, So what that means now is, Uh, I think that they will work on extensions for both guys, but I think they'll wait a little bit with David Njoku. I think they'll see how the season starts to play out a little bit next year, uh, see how he fares in the system, see if he can rebound from a really bad year last year that that started with a broken wrist and then moved into being in Freddie Kitchens' doghouse. So I think if he can kind of rebound from that, maybe they start revisiting an extension midway through the season. Miles Garrett, on the other hand, uh, I think that they probably will start a lot earlier with him. Maybe they already have. I'm not too sure about that, uh, but I think that they will and should get him wrapped up as soon as possible.
1: Yeah, if, if, this is sort of strange. If I'm the Browns, I want Miles Garrett signed to an extension before Joey Bosa signs an extension and before any other edge rushers could sign an extension. But um, if I'm Miles Garrett, I might want to say, let's let's hold off and let this market reset again a little more, because there's there's a lot of money to be made out there, Scott, for a defensive end.
3: Yeah, that's always the case every year. Someone's going to reset that market, and uh, NFL teams don't want to be the ones who have to be on the other end of that. Um, you know, we know Garrett's going to get paid, and like like Mary Kay said, I think is really interesting, because here's a guy who you know, was in the doghouse. Who and there were a few people on this team who, for whatever reason, could not get on the field. You know, Rashard Higgins obviously is one of them who's out of the picture, at least at this point. But yeah, it's a new lease on life for him. And I think the fact that not only is it a new coach, not only is it Andrew Berry coming back, but it's also an offense that covets tight ends. It's like the perfect storm for David Njoku to kind of turn back around and get his career going in the right direction. Um, and if that happens, and you know, then then he's looking at extension too. But Miles is going to get paid, and he's going to get paid a lot. And the Browns know that. I think it's just a case of w- at what point does that happen?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, Ellis. When when you look at those two guys, and and we start talking extensions, what's
2: going through your mind? Yeah, Dan. Well, I think you nailed it right from the start. Two very different situations, of course, just based on on field production. We can start there, but also. You have to wonder that maybe both of these contracts take some time to get done, not because of how either will play in 2020, but just what's going on in a revenue standpoint with the NFL, probably too soon to talk about if there's a season, what the season will look like, fans or no fans, all that stuff. But from what I've read, there's a reason the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes haven't really engaged in extensions because no one really knows what these numbers are going to look like. So if we're talking Miles Garrett, you know, someone like Demarcus Lawrence making $21 million a year. both um, I can see why both sides would be hesitant to even really get anything written down because the league just has no way of knowing uh, what the money's going to look like. So though it would be great to get Miles Garrett locked up, I could see his side being hesitant. And I just see it from both sides. It's a, it's a murky situation, quite frankly, to try to negotiate extensions right now. I'm, I'm assuming Um, But again, as from a player standpoint, of course, this team would be silly not to have Miles Garrett a part of their plans long term. And then as for David Njoku, as we've said, he's got a lot to prove. But, you know, starting the year off week one, two and three with a a score and some big first downs can make everyone forget about his uh, low, low production and worrisome uh, 2019.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I I can't really disagree with, with any of you there. I think with Njoku, I would certainly wait and see. Um, you know, last year was such a lost year for him. But even before that, there were issues with the hands. Uh, you know, I remember that Baltimore game. Everybody talks about the the Baker three interceptions. But right before that last interception, Njoku had just a brutal drop over the middle of the field. And we've seen a lot of cases of that. So he's got to get better. And, and he certainly can in this offense. So this is a good opportunity for him um, to maybe show what he can do. All right, let's see uh, what we have here as we move along. Uh, here's a question from the 216 area code as well. Uh, do you guys think the linebacker room is strong enough as is, or do you expect the Browns to make another free agency move or a trade? So obviously the Browns drafted a linebacker over the weekend. Mac Wilson still around. Sione Taki is still around. They signed B.J. Goodson. That's sort of your linebacker room. Uh, is, is this Is there a big addition coming here? Uh, Mary Kay, we'll start with you. Is there a big addition coming here, or is this any move that they make from here on out going to be something smaller?
0: Yeah, I don't see a big addition from this this point on. Uh, I, I don't know what, what that would be or, or where they would even look for that, and I don't think it's a huge, huge priority for them. I think they feel pretty good about what they have in terms of some starters and some depth, and I, I just don't think that they're uh, clamoring for the next big thing at linebacker I think that um, they have some role players now Uh, they've got guys that can get the job done and uh, I'm not expecting any big splashy moves
3: yeah this room seems like uh, it's going to be let's see what happens in training camp and see where we're at and if they do add someone maybe they do it after after cut down day uh, right before the season but it seems like they're going to go into the season with a group of guys who all have some question marks you know guys who Uh, I mean, Mac Wilson obviously started 14 games, but, uh, you know, BJ Goodson hasn't really been a full-time starter in a few years. And before that, I mean, really overall, he's never really started. He's never been a full-time starter. He's never played more than like 46% of a team's snaps. Um, Taki Taki hardly played at all last year. Uh, You know, and now you bring in uh, another rookie. So it's – there's no. I, th- I did winners and losers for today, and I put that, this down as a loser because the the linebacking unit does not have an identity yet. We don't know what it is, and it's not going to be known until you know until training camp when things start to shake out. Ellis, what do you think of this
1: linebacker room?
2: Yeah, uh, Scott, I, I agree with you a lot there, and and I think everything we thought about this linebacker room was confirmed with how they handled it on draft day. Uh, first, you know, they don't select Zach Bond instead trading out of that pick. And, you know, they could have done something like moved into the first round, which we we speculated a little bit and grabbed a guy like Patrick Queen. Instead, you let him go to the Ravens and backpedaling even more when they didn't bring back, you know, Joe Schobert or Christian Kirksey, it it said what we needed to know about this linebacker room. They're going to, the Browns and specifically Joe Woods seem content right now with having this team win up front with its front seven, Miles Garrett, LeVay Vernon, and they, they're going to be a cover team with Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams, and then a, a guy like Grant Delpit. That's how they're going to win on defense, and they're going to let the linebacking room sort itself out. But, Scott, I really like what you said there with a, a lack of identity because that's the truth. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with having an unproven room. Maybe these these young guys can step, step up, maybe, you know, grabbing his running mate Jordan Phillips rather than getting Patrick Queen uh, maybe they're finding a diamond in the rough in that situation. Well, obviously, we're going to have to wait and find out. But from what we see now, this team's built from the front, get after the quarterback, and we're going to be able to cover. The linebackers, uh, they're fine with having some uh, some lower quality guys there for now.
0: And You know, it seems like they, they talk about playing, uh, you know, that that Grant Talbot can play the big nickel and things like that. I think that they're, uh, you know, planning on obviously being in sub-defenses a lot. And it just doesn't seem like they are – too, too overly concerned with having a sort of superstar linebacker. That's not where they want to put their money. That's not where they want to put their resources. Uh, They're more about the defensive line. And as you guys mentioned uh, about beefing up that secondary. So I think that they're hoping that it all just works out like that.
1: Okay, uh, I'm always a sucker for a question from the 330 area code. So here's one uh, about the draft philosophy and the one year contracts, how those mesh together. The question is can you shed some light on the philosophy of all the one year contracts the Browns signed the free agents to in light of the draft? And at least for me, when I kind of look it over, it, it sort of played out the way I expected it to play out that just because they signed a guy at a position, they didn't lock themselves in, and they were able to sort of address those positions, stack some of those positions. So you, you're able to draft, delp it. And even though you sign two safeties, you know, you, he's going to be able to come in and compete for a job. And it's no big loss if he beats out a, an Andrew Sandejo or a Carl Joseph. Uh, same with uh, same with a, a guy like Jordan Elliott. You know, you sign Andrew Billings, you know, if Jordan Elliott ends up being the better option there, you can go with him. And, and it's not that big of a loss. Now, they didn't address the defensive end position, but that's where they signed Adrian Claiborne. And uh, that's where you have Olivier Vernon, who – we find out this weekend they're pretty confident he's still going to be a member of this team. So I, I just, for me, it just sort of reinforced what I've kind of been thinking all along that these short-term deals uh, kind of gave them an opportunity to just be able to stack talent and not necessarily have to reach for need. Mary Kay, we're going to go to you because you have a little guest behind you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Okay. Shelby. laughs> I can't control, I can't control the animals around here. Um, So, yes, what's going on with all the one-year contracts uh, also is the fact that uh, it's the analytics way. What they're trying to do is they are manufacturing draft capital for the future. And the way that they will get that is in the the form of compensatory picks. If those guys end up signing as free agents elsewhere, they're going to get compensatory picks for them. And we saw them do some of these things also in the draft as well, where they traded back and picked up a third round pick next year which is obviously a quality a quality pick you want to get top 100 picks uh, and that's what you know that's what we saw Sashi Brown doing before uh, you know before he was gone he was always manufacturing draft capital so this was Andrew Barry's first opportunity to really start doing that and once again he did it through compensatory picks with the one-year deals and a few trades in this draft
2: yeah, and Mary Kay, furthermore on that, um, and you may know more on this topic, but I think as we talked a bunch about on Clowney leading up to the draft, to me that seems why those two sides just aren't making sense right now is there doesn't seem to be much interest from Andrew Barry and company to give long-term contracts on the defensive side of the football. So that might be a name they explore and we continue to explore going on here. Um, but for that example, I think that's where we need to look for why uh, the one-year deals are happening. They want to build this defense uh, organically through draft picks, as Mary Kay said, and then they can manufacture them there in that secondary market, also.
3: Yeah, and if things don't work out with some of these guys, you're not eating dead cap space. You know, you you you, you reverse course and you try something new next year, and it's it's not going to cost you. Um, you know, it's another another uh, positive out of doing the one-year deals.
1: Okay, let's t- let's go back to the tight end position real quick. This question from the four one nine area code. Uh, based off Njoku getting his fifth-year option picked up today. And and I want to bring this up because I thought Kevin Stefanski certainly shed light on this over the weekend. All three tight ends figure to be involved in the offense. Is there any idea of what role each guy will play in the offense? Now, there's also another question uh, about Njoku, about if this could mean that maybe he'll spend more time split out wide, maybe in the slot, something like that. Kevin Stefanski was very clear uh, over the weekend, and we kind of knew this already, and Ellis, I know you've you've watched a lot of that offense that, that he ran last year. He likes to have those tight ends out there because it, it puts the defense in a position where they can be in their base defense more, or they have to be in their base defense more. And it actually helps the quarterback because it takes away some of those, as, as Stefanski put it, those exotic pressures that defenses can bring out of some of those sub packages.
2: Yeah, I completely agree with that, Dan. And And furthermore, it seems like, Remember when Andrew Barry talked the other day about how the defensive line is going to roll like a hockey team? I could see the tight ends doing that to a degree. Now, Austin Hooper is likely going to lead the tight ends in snaps, but we're talking, you know, not just those three, but you know, don't forget about your guy, Steven Carlson, also, who is going to have an opportunity uh, in this offense because you, what this position does, like you said, they're going to be able to scheme the position open. So you're better off having the fresh bodies on the field rather than the guy who needs to win first-man coverage. I don't think that's necessarily what Kevin Stefanski looks for out of his tight ends. That's going to be the job of Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. So, again, it's a crowded tight end room. I understand that. And one of these guys probably is going to be the odd man out eventually. But as for splitting someone out or where they might end up, uh, Harrison Bryant looks more like the guy who can split out wide. He was out wide a lot in his game tape. He's got some just natural wide receiver skills. And then he could also flirt with a type of H-back, fullback type role too, getting him in the flats and stuff like that. So he's the more versatile guy where you're going to see Hooper and the joke be your more traditional tight ends. ends.
3: Yeah, I think uh, from what I read, a lot of analysts thought that uh, Bryant needed either lose weight or gain weight to, to yeah. be one or the other. You know, he was obviously a, a really good receiver and you're right. He did he wasn't uh, up against the line very much uh, in college. I th- I remember correctly. Stefanski used actually used three tight ends, like on 73 plays last year, which was third most in the league. I, I'm assuming most of those were running plays. I didn't look close enough uh, to see, but it actually happened. So we could see all three guys uh, on the field uh, in 2020. That would be interesting.
0: It is so hard to imagine. You know, when you look at the talent on this offense, uh, it, it is so hard to imagine how are they going to have enough footballs to go around for Austin Hooper, David Njoku, Harrison Bryant, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, uh, you know Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. <laughs> when you think about it, right? Um, again, it's it's going to be one of those pick your poison things. But they're not going to stray too far away from their tight end heavy scheme. So they're going to be in two tight ends a lot. They will be in three tight ends, and I don't think they're going to worry too much. I mean, I think you do have to keep your uh, your sort of diva-ish receivers a little bit happy. I mean, you do. Uh, or else you're going to have problems in the locker room. You're going to have problems on the football field. Uh, but I, I still think that they are going to stay pretty true uh, to the tight end-heavy scheme.
3: I would be shocked if we hear anybody in Berea use the term pick your poison this year. They kind of <laughs> yeah. got burned by that. I yeah.
0: you know.
1: Everyone, everyone learned last year when they were putting out their Twitter lists of all the Browns' weapons and how how we were talking about this offense. Like, oh, you know what? it is still all on paper you still have to be able to go out there on sundays and execute it against uh, nfl defenses um let's go through here and see uh what else we've got um there were some questions about sort of how what's next here for the browns and and how the brown what these rookies are going to be able to do here and obviously a big loss for this team you know, this one question here from the 802 area code. What exactly are the players getting now nowadays besides playbooks? Can they get chalk talks via Zoom? Um, and, and that's really sort of how this offseason program looks right now. Uh, Zoom calls, big Zoom calls with, with te- <laughs> team-wide Zoom calls, position coaches. And this is really kind of where these rookies are missing out because, you know, it's right there in the CBA, that first weekend or second weekend after the draft, you get to hold a rookie minicamp. And that's three days where these guys come in. They actually come in on Thursday night. They have a big dinner. They usually get to meet Jim Brown, All you know, any Browns legends that are around. Uh, they're around Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They have practices. Uh, it's an opportunity for these guys to kind of get in and, and get their feet wet in the NFL. And uh, they're going to miss out on that. And, and that is a big loss. They're going to be kind of stuck getting the playbooks via their tablets, getting on these Zoom calls, Uh, They're not going to get to meet some of the veteran players in OTAs and and mini camps, at least not yet. Uh, So, you know, if you're a rookie, what sort of challenges do you think that presents to these guys, Mary Kay?
0: Well, I think it presents a lot of challenges. um, And I think that they're going to have to be very, very creative. Like right now, we know that Judrick Wills, and he has to do this, is getting some – uh, some coaching tips, some mentoring from Joe Thomas. And I think that's fantastic. He's going to need that. I even asked Kevin Stefanski, can't you get those two together if they stayed six feet apart? He didn't think that that would be allowed. Um, but, you know, they can, they can get coaching in creative ways. The other thing that I think to watch over the next couple of weeks or so, over the next month or so, things are starting to open up in our country. Some states are starting to open up some gyms are starting to open now it's going to have to be uniform you can't have one team that uh, is has a facility open and one team that can't Um, and the rules are going to be very strict but it will be interesting to see what happens over the next month or so in terms of will they allow groups of players to get together if they're social distancing and meet out in california like they did last you know what i mean like Are they going to be allowed to do that? Are they not going to be allowed to do that? Uh, And it changes. So it's kind of a work in progress. But they have to be very, very creative. They're going to have to stay in their playbooks. Think about what Sean Payton did. (laughs) Sean Payton's like, eh, I'll see you guys in, uh, you know, I'll see you guys in training camp. Don't worry about it. You know, we got this. Um, But I, I don't think the Browns can afford to do that. They have systems and schemes that they need to install.
1: Yeah, Scott, this just speaks to the bigger. I mean, there are questions about what's next for the NFL. And and I, you know, unfortunately the answer for that is, uh, you know, I don't know. (laughs) And I know NBA facilities are maybe going to start opening up, but they're not all going to be able to open up. It seems like the NFL doesn't want to go that route. And I just keep coming back to this idea of you have a a spring roster. You got 90 guys, you got however many coaches, uh, You've got to be able to put all those guys together in once in one that big meeting room, and that's not really gonna jive with all the social distancing and things like that. So, there's still some challenges facing facing this team in this league.
3: Yeah, and I think in working in the Browns' favor is that everybody's everybody's in the same boat. Um, yeah, I, I found a tweet from Andy Benoit of Monday Morning Quarterback. It was a while back, and I saved it. The last time we had no off-season teamwork, which was the 2011 lockout year. Seven teams had new coaching staffs. Four of those teams won at least four more games in 2011 than he did in 2010. So just because the Browns have a new staff and, you know, new everything and they're going through this doesn't mean they're necessarily going to be hampered any more than anybody else. You know, there's still uh, what little history we have of something like this happening in the off season. You know, the numbers don't say that the Browns are against it. So, you know, I, you do what you can during this uh, virtual period and, uh, and go from there. I, once everybody gets back on the field, how the teams – the teams are in the best position to go, like start from day one, are the, are the people who are going to take off. And everything we've seen from Stefanski and Barry during the draft and, and leading up to the draft and all the things they've told us about, how they prepared, would lead me to believe that they're going to be one of the teams that's going to be prepared for when things do get back to mm-hmm. some normalcy.
1: Yeah, and I think all those guys kind of like me, they're they're going to need to hit that team barber in the uh <laughs> that they have in the uh the break room or whatever the the player lounge that they always have set up there. Um I mean, Ellis, what how did, what what's the negative impact Can the Browns recover from this if say maybe they can't even meet until July?
2: Yeah, uh Scott, I think that stat you shared says everything you need to know about the ability to recover to answer that first question, Dan. They're going to be able to recover from this. But as for what they can do right now, when Sean Payton came out, Mary Kay, like you said, and just said, you know what, this, don't worry about it. We're going to reconvene at training camp, be helped coming in great shape. We'll take care of it then. To me, that said basically what this between now and July is going to look like. They really just can't do much. And the coaches are going to say all the right things and they're going to get creative and and the innovators are going to have a little bit of an advantage here. But, there's only so much you can do and a guy like Sean Payton just kind of throws in the towel and is like, look, even the amount of work we could maybe get done wouldn't even necessarily be worth it. Or you risk, you know, forming bad habits, just all sorts of things. Let's just take care of yourselves. We'll regroup in July. That's where I think this is headed. And again, with Scott's stat, that doesn't mean that it's uh, it's going to be a disaster for the Browns. Sure, they're the only AFC, AFC team with a new head coach. But, you know, Cam Newton came out as a rookie in that 2011 season and broke all sorts of rookie passing records without having a training camp. And for the Browns, they're not looking at a new starting quarterback, of course. It's other spots that are important, but it's not quarterback. So I don't think it's anything to overreact about, but I don't think it's worth, you know, overanalyzing what they can really get done. I think they're pretty limited and strapped in that standpoint.
0: You know what, I, I I think the key for the Browns is the installation of the schemes. That's what they really have to focus on. These guys have to start speaking the language of the playbooks that they're going to be dealing with. They don't know the language. That's why Sean Payton can say, I'll see you guys at training camp. They know the, they know, they're all speaking the same language. They all know the plays. They don't have to worry about any of that. And I mean, that's that is the whole key here, is is the installation. And I that, I think that's why. When you have a new coaching staff and like last year when, you know, when Odell wasn't participating in OTAs and things like that, I think that's where it does kind of come into play, where, where you're, you're learning to all get on the same page and understand, you know, the nuances of the new schemes that you're running. That's what they have to do.
1: Okay, we'll take a break here and I'll tell everyone about Football Insider. Want to get involved in Football Insider and Texture Tuesday? Of course you do. Then you've got to subscribe. You've got to go to cleveland.com browns. There's a box on the right side of the page to click. Or a little later, I'll give you a number to text for you to sign up. What is Football Insider? Well, it's our texting service where Mary Kay, me, Ellis, Scott, uh, we will text you throughout the day. Breaking news, instant analysis on breaking news, takes from whatever's going on with the Cleveland Browns, and an exclusive newsletter every day uh, with some sort of content that does not show up on our site. So, for example, on Sunday, I offered my grades for every single Browns draft pick throughout the weekend that only went out to our Football Insider subscribers in this exclusive newsletter Those are the sorts of things we do. We also do things like a virtual draft show, which we held before the draft, obviously. And we had a bunch of Football Insider subscribers join us in a Zoom call. Me, Mary Kay, Scott Ellis, Doug Maurice jumped on that, and it was a great event. Uh, that they all got to take part of. So you can sign up for a 14-day free trial. You can cancel any time with one text, but I don't think you'll want to. This is a service that continues to grow. After that trial, it's $3.99 a month. Again, go to cleveland.com slash browns. There's a box on the right side of the page you can click on, or it's even easier. You can text me 216-208-3965. Again, that's 216-208-3965. Now, Back to our Football Insider questions. Okay, back going through some of these uh, Texter Tuesday questions, and every time I put out one of these calls for questions, a name comes up. Every single time this name comes up, Richard Higgins, uh, what, what is going on with him? And I just think it's getting more and more obvious that, uh, you know, and I, I, I've said this before, and I thought about it more this weekend. Look, if you want to name who the third receiver is on this football team, Obviously, Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to have a chance to, to compete for that, but he's still a sixth-round pick. It's Kareem Hunt. We already talked about how many footballs there are to go around. I think Kareem Hunt is probably your best option as sort of a pseudo third receiver in, in this group. Um, and I think that you, you kind of look at it. I just don't know if there's room for Rashard Higgins here. Uh, Scott, what do, you, what do you think? Is there room for Rashard Higgins on this roster?
3: No. <laughs> I mean, you could also say Hooper slash Njoku is the third receiver or will be in this offense. Um, yeah, it's it's weird. Um, you know, the Browns Browns fans don't have a backup quarterback to uh, to uh, rally around anymore. So now it's like Higgins has become the, the backup quarterback that everybody wants on the field. It's, you know, he's still out there, so I guess there's always a chance. But, um, yeah, I think the Browns have enough other weapons – on this offense to, to not have to worry so much about third receiver. And we've talked a lot about how little Stefanski has three receivers on the field anyway. So I think you're going to see that, like you said, more from Kareem Hunt and, and also obviously the, the two tight ends.
1: And Mary, Mary Kay always Pete guys like this, right. That the fans, they see him do really well. They kind of obsess over him, And uh, you know, a few years later, we're like, man, I can't believe how much time we spent talking about him, but it just feels like he's an odd man out right now.
0: Yeah, and I think the reason why we talk about him that way is because he was such a favorite of Baker Mayfield's uh, when they were rookies together, and, uh, you know, he did make some plays, and it seemed like he showed a lot of promise. But I just don't see him coming back here. I think if it was going to happen, it would have happened by now. I think that ship has sailed, and uh, I, I, I just don't see it.
2: Yeah, quickly, the origin- revisionist history on Richard Higgins is going to be interesting. He really picked the worst possible year to get in someone's doghouse and not show up on the football field and you know we can rehash that story or those who know it know it um this is one of the most talented rookie classes in the NFL as a whole not just you know a talented receiving group on the Browns so just not just a spot on the Browns in Cleveland but his place in the NFL might be in question right now you know it's just I'm I worry about that a little bit just when you see how many players are drafted and, and when they can a team can replace with a young receiver compared to you know, a guy who's leaning more towards a veteran now, Uh, you worry about what his numbers are gonna end up being um, if such when he lands somewhere else.
1: Okay, from the 216 area code, here we go. What new recipes have you tried out during the quarantine? You got anything, Mary Kay? Well. Cause I I don't, I'm. (laughs) Funny you should ask. Sorry, I I just don't.
0: Do you know what I always say to the kids right before dinner? (laughs) No. Get in the car. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful <laughs> <laughs> that's the extent of my cooking my husband has cooked a few things and as i tweeted out during the draft he basically kind of catered the draft for me just as though i were in berea so every time i turned around uh i saw like chicken piccata and meatballs from Bucci's and rocky river and then steak fajitas one night and a chorizo egg breakfast sandwich yesterday so I did manage to gain just as much weight during draft, and <laughs> right here in my own home as I would have in Berea.
3: Yeah, and, and we all know that Mary Kay is almost never home at what would traditionally be a dinner time, anyways. So, <laughs> you know. That. So I, I believe that uh, that it's getting the car. That, that's totally believable.
0: Well, wait one more thing. There is one thing that I that I can make. Let me, let me say this first, too,
1: because people are going to be mad at me. They're going to be like, oh, you went to Mary Kay first for that. You <laughs> said beforehand that she had something for this. So just uh, nobody get mad at me here.
0: There is one thing I can make really well. Reservations.
2: There you go. <laughs> I love that. Hey, Mary Kay, you'll appreciate this. Uh, with me being home, the new recipe I've uh, uh, stumbled upon is my mother, who is upstairs at our, our beautiful place here in Hastings, Minnesota. Um, she is now using HelloFresh. So, you know, they mail you all the ingredients and you kind of just follow this step-by-step thing. And whenever there's leftovers, she'll shoot me a text, wrap it in some foil for me and set it on the ledge. And I'm downstairs. I just run upstairs, grab it. And that's my meal for me. So uh, I am a master of what I've been a master of for a long time, reheating food that has been prepared.
0: <laughs> Good. We'll have to try that. HelloFresh. I'll remember that.
2: There you Do go. HelloFresh. <laughs> wow.
1: We got reads. We got, we got time for you. Hello, fresh. If you want <laughs> to other podcasts, give us a, yep. give us a call. Jump, jump in our texter Tuesday and uh, give us a question. Okay. We're going to uh, wrap it up with that uh, before we run out of time here. If we didn't get to your question, I apologize. I'll try and go through uh, and, and answer as many as I can. We, we doubled up on a few. So uh, I, I think we got to a lot of them. Like I said, if we didn't get to it this week, try again next week. we we'll put a call out all the time and, uh you know we also try and answer some questions too during the week as well so uh appreciate everybody for joining us and listening to this texture tuesday edition of the orange and brown talk podcast for mary Kay, scott and ellis i am dan thanks for listening guys